listening to The Extra Point Show, covering national sports stories with a little Baltimore bias. In sports, extra is always better. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Extra Point Show. I'm your host, Basilios, and right across from me is J.D. Sykes. Hey, man, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, I did. A lot of food, a lot of family, and a lot of football, so... The three Fs, that's what you need in your life. Pretty much, man, pretty much. Well, I'm glad you had a good holiday, and uh, so the Ravens are on a... Had a pretty solid holiday as well. They're on hey, the, in the midst of a two-game win streak with Lamar Jackson at... Under, well, under center. Pretty so. much, and it's been... I think it's been a sort of, I mean, I kind of was skeptical at first, and I said, and you can put me on tape, I said that you, I, I would feel more comfortable having RG3 starting, but these past two games, he has really shown that he doesn't crack under pressure. I mean, last game... He needs to work on his throwing a little bit. Very much is, so. He did have those yeah, two interceptions, knowledge. and those were kind of, those were bad, no, they were kind of like batted up interceptions, so I really can't blame him too much on that. He does need to right. work on his throws, but again, he's a rookie, so it's going to take a little bit more time. Um, and, you know, you do have a lot of quarterbacks reaching out to him. You had Michael Vick, uh, I believe, reaching out to him as well, so um, I think he's going to do pretty good. Yeah, I totally agree, and uh, we're going to break down some more of the uh, last two matchups that the Ravens have had, and we're also going to break down their matchup against the Atlanta Falcons coming up this Sunday and to help us do that we brought in Lindsay OK which I'm just that's that's her Twitter handle so I mean uh, please uh, if you don't know who she is you must be living under a rock don't. good or bad but how you doing today Lindsay I could hear you guys but I couldn't like I guess you guys couldn't hear me I guess not but uh, we're, we're good. We, it's, it's good that you're back now so we you got you got back right before we started breaking down Lamar oh, and we know how much you love Joe Flacco we'll talk plenty about Joe yeah. coming up but uh, do we have to? No. <laughs> hey, hey. I'm happy. Do not disrespect Joe. I'm happy with the look. Look, I went to Towson. He's a rival right now. He's, he went to Delaware. I went to Towson. He's a rival. I don't okay, care if okay. he went for the Ravens. All right, all right. <laughs> but uh, we're gonna break down some of their uh, their past matchups. But we wanted to get into uh, the present and a little bit of the future. So. Lindsay, we're, we're coming up on the Atlanta Falcons. The uh, the Ravens are going to visit the Mercedes-Benz Mercedes Stadium down in Atlanta. And I know you hate, hate, hate <laughs> that opposing quarterback under center. Uh, I'm not even sure if Matty I can say Ice. his name. Oh, my God. He just did it. Matty Ice. But... So, I, I, I want to know. I want to know, Lindsay. Is that, like, what, is, what is the whole deal with the... The bashing of Matt Ryan. Not that I don't enjoy it, but I just we just want to know the story behind it. So you might be a little bit mad when I tell you that I actually like don't really hate him. <laughs> like I, there was obviously that whole thing between like him and Joe Flacco being drafted the same year and everything like that. So I mean, I kind of used to make fun of him for that, especially after Joe won the Super Bowl um, first. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and then with. Like, the Super Bowl a couple years ago with him just completely blowing it was just, like, so gr- I mean, my numbers went way up, like, after that. <laughs> <laughs> we, bl- we blame him. Great for business. Yeah. <laughs> No, but uh, I, love, I love the fact that people or that the fans of the Atlanta Falcons that always are in your mentions, they take it seriously. They do. Yeah, and it's, like, 
like, how are you guys not get it by now? Like, I don't know. And they just, they just like nitpick the littlest things. And they've said some like not so nice stuff to me. And like, I mean, they're, they've taken it personal before and it, that's kind of messed up. But, um, I mean, that says more about them than me in my opinion. Um, but I mean, I honestly, like, I don't hate him. Like I sent him a gift when his kids were born. Like he knows I don't hate him. So like, I don't know. It's just something that I keep going because literally everybody gets so upset about it. And it's so funny to me. <laughs> oh, it's hysterical. I mean, you guys gotta go check it out uh, at some point. And we'll, we'll, we'll give Lindsay her free plug at, at when, uh, when we let her go a little bit later. But yeah. uh, so we, t- we talked about it. Mike Garofolo earlier this week released a statement that or a report that said Lamar Jackson was going to get the start for the Ravens on Sunday in Atlanta. Uh, and I, does that just mean, I mean, obviously Joe Flacco hasn't, well, he practiced today, but he previous previous to today, he had not been cleared. So although Flacco is practicing today, do you, th- do you think that Lamar still gets the start on Sunday? I mean, I think he, he will still get the start, but I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't completely push Joe out at this point. Um, he's been pushing to practice. He's been pushing to play this entire time. So, I mean, you've seen it in the past. He's had he's, – he's a really tough guy. I mean, I remember that one um, that one playoff run a couple years ago when he had hurt his hip so badly that he couldn't even sit down on the plane, and he still played. And um, I think it was against the Colts or something like that. It was a couple years ago, um, but – like 2010 or something, but I mean, he's just a tough dude, and just the fact that he has been pushing to play this whole time, I wouldn't completely count him out. Um, but that being said, I still think Lamar gets the start, but next week, maybe not. No, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think I, I would rather, I mean, Joe hasn't really missed a whole lot of games, just going off that tough factor, other than uh, the the year that he sat out, he really hasn't missed that many games, so I really don't count that. But um, if it's better to be safe than sorry, and I mean you're putting if you're putting Joe Flacco into the lines den and he's not full 100 percent, that's really not going to benefit us, especially since this again is a cr- uh, critical game. So I'd rather right. have Lamar Jackson the, start. Sorry, the offensive line like really comes into play there too. Um, I think James Hurst. I think he practiced today too. Um, I, I don't think he's that great, but I mean they have a lot of um, a lot of hope in him, and I think. Um, having those guys surrounding Joe definitely helps too. And the fact that James Hirsch has been out also kind of, I think it puts it into a factor there also. I think, I think having James Hirsch back would be a huge boon of this offensive line. And I, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat you are, Lindsay. I think uh, he, I'm not his biggest fan, but when he has played well this season, like when the Ravens took on the Denver Broncos earlier on the season, he held Von Miller without a sack for the entire game. Which is saying something. I mean, Von Miller is going to go after you. He's not going to stop. Von Miller is is top top three pass rusher in the NFL right now. Yeah. Khalil Mack, Von Miller, and Aaron Donald. Yeah, and Aaron Donald's pushing for MVP at this point. But the fact that James Hurst was able to hold him so... I mean, it's very hard for somebody to stop Von Miller from getting mm. at you. And while we're talking about offensive linemen... I really liked what I saw from Ronnie Stanley last week, the oft-injured Ronnie Stanley, who we always we always see walking off the field for some sort of injury. Just but how, how much he moved last week and helped Lamar run in the second half 
and how, ma- how many holes he opened up for Gus Edwards for Gus Edwards' second straight 100-yard rushing performance. And it was that was huge. And I mean, I think this offensive line is finally now. I'm not I'm knocking on wood here, but it looks like it's finally starting to gel to this almost the same degree as we saw it last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the problem with the Ravens' offensive line, and I feel like it's always been this way, um, besides like the Super Bowl year, but there's always guys that just they rotate, rotate, rotate because nobody can stay healthy, nobody is in the right spot with in consecutive weeks. It's crazy, but so I hope they can. That can kind of be a factor to everything. To you mentioned the running game, and then to the quarterback decision as well. Mm-hmm. No, I I completely agree, and especially since we. We we're gonna especially since the I mean you look at the past two weeks our running game has gone from twenty seventh to eleventh, just in terms of rushing, yeah. and you have Gus Edwards you have Gus Edwards going off for back to back hundred yard games you have Lamar Jackson who's more mobile than he is passer so you're going to that offensive line needs to be sturdy especially since I mean. Uh, and Lamar also can help make that offensive line look right. good in terms of extending plays. Uh, my only concern is this week, I, I love the, the tandem of, of Jackson and Edwards, uh, and they remind me a lot of, now hopefully without the negatives, but they remind me a lot of the, the 2012 tandem of Robert Griffin III and Alfred Morris in terms of that style. Now I think Robert Griffin III is a better pure passer, but uh, the, the tandem of mobile, mobile quarterback and a power running back uh, there are a lot of a lot of similarities there, and but Gus Edwards while it did land on the injury report this week. I believe it was an ankle injury. Lindsay, yeah. you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Okay, so uh, if and this Falcons defense is not nothing to to brag about, nothing to write home about. So uh, Lamar definitely has a chance to to improve on what we've been seeing over the past couple of weeks, and. Lindsay, we we are gonna we're gonna talk about what we're worried about in this game. But what are you most worried about when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons? Um, the thing I'm worried about, and this has been a pattern for the Ravens for the past probably about three years, is that they really cannot cover tight ends no matter what they do. Um, and somebody is always gonna get blamed for it, like C.J. Mosley is gonna get blamed for it, et cetera, et cetera. But they really need to keep um, Austin Hooper under control on um, on Sunday because they have just failed to do it. I mean, I don't know what it is with this team, but they cannot cover tight ends, and I really think that's what's going to get us if the Falcons win, which they will not. Especially since, I mean, you're going to be looking at Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, and you're going to be essentially focusing on them a lot, so you're going to essentially, Atlanta's going to be looking like, okay, they're going to be targeting these two. That's going to leave more option for Austin Hooper to get uh, a whole bunch of yards especially since people are, they're probably not going to be covering them as much or double team, even double teaming them as much as they're probably going to do Ridley and Jones. And my thing is with <clears throat> with what you just said with Julio and Ridley on the outside and I mean not to forget Tevin Coleman in the backfield and Edo Smith that uh, they both they both been incredible out of the backfield this year and Austin Hooper I, I said the same thing last week about about uh, Jared Cook Jared Cook is is uh, incredibly athletic tight end and sure he might not have big game after big game but the Ravens couldn't stop him either and a uh, big a big factor that went into that was Tony Jefferson was out with an injury and the guy on Jared Cook when he scored the touchdown last week was Chuck Clark and Chuck Clark blew that coverage to the moon so I'm, I'm just worried I mean Austin Hooper is more of a uh, I like to compare him to Jesse James on the Steelers and uh, Jesse James is more of that guy that's going to go for uh 
a five to ten yard hitch in the middle of the field and just pick up what he can. And he's not really the uber athletic type of guy that I'm worried about. But it's the yards that add up when when he has ten to twelve receptions in the middle of the field. Uh, so it worries me that the Ravens won't drop enough guys or that Wink is going to try to blitz too many guys and Matt Ryan to give him less time. Sure, Julio and Ridley might not get as many catches, but Austin Hooper and Tevin Coleman are going are gonna to have their hands full. Yeah, for sure. And if you think about the secondary, the Ravens secondary hasn't been playing that great lately. I mean, um, Marlon Humphrey has been the best player in the secondary this entire year. I mean, Jimmy Smith hasn't been playing up to his par. He came out um, a couple of days ago and apparently stood up in front of like the defense and said that he like vowed to play better, but I haven't seen that yet, and that was a couple weeks ago. So um, they definitely need to play better also, regardless of who it's against. Yeah. Do, you, do, you think, do you think this is Jimmy Smith's last season as a Baltimore Raven? I'm just like tired of this like I'm tired of this Jimmy Smith experiment like he's not a bad corner he just I mean things don't go his way he's suspended he's you know just not playing well like can we suspend him for not playing well because that's what I would like to do it's essentially a crime I I would love to do that and I said I said before um I don't know if it was last week or the week before I said if probably Jim, the week before probably the week show before, last week but if <laughs> but if if I, I said that if Jimmy Smith was healthy like fully healthy and he didn't get and he didn't get suspended Jimmy Smith could have easily could have probably been one of the best corners in the game but he just kept on getting I mean the injuries there are some injuries that you can't really prevent I mean we saw this in 2013 he has the potential to be a top 5 corner in the NFL Yeah it's just like the suspensions and stuff you're getting in your own way yeah. Like there there is just certain things that you can I mean we could easily honestly the thing is if we get, if we got rid of Jimmy Smith we could get maybe a couple of picks we could get maybe a player or two that we could uh, potentially develop there's a possibility that people... I mean, even though Jimmy Smith is not working for us, which I do believe that Jimmy Smith is not working for us, we if we trade him or do something with him, we could potentially get some sort of compensation back. Because yeah. at this point, the fact that we're continuing to put forth effort and resources and time for somebody who's just not working for us, and you have... You know, again, Marlon Humphrey... But in his defense, he's not getting much help over the top in the form of Weddle and and Tony Jefferson. But uh, that leads me to to the final point, Lindsay, before we let you go, is uh, we wanted to get one bold prediction from you for this game and from this weekend, and then uh, a a final score prediction. Okay. Um, That's a lot. Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) A bold prediction? Yeah. It's not that bold for me, but Matt Ryan throws zero touchdowns. Zero. Okay. Okay. Zero. All right. Wink is going to be happy with that one. What? Uh, mm, zero. Don't say it. I know don't, what you're going to say. Don't, don't say, say it. that. Don't. I could see. I. I mean, I can see it, but <laughs> even still, like. Well, we'll we'll see. I, I that they just have too many offensive weapons for me to to say that they mm-hmm. that Matt Ryan. But you know that's bold. That is bold. I will give you that. Yeah. But all right. How about how about a final score prediction before we let all you right. go? Seventeen to six Ravens. 
Ooh, wow. Low scoring game. Wow. Okay, okay. They don't, I mean, are they getting two field goals or are they getting a touchdown and just whiffing on that PAT? Something like that. All right. Yeah. Nope, two field goals. Matt Ryan scoring zero touchdowns. All zero right. touchdowns, zero interceptions. All right, I can work with that. All right. All right, Lindsay, why don't you tell everybody where, where they can find you, where they can see all of the, the works you have, and uh, yeah, go ahead. All right, you can follow me at Lindsay OK. It's the same, the same handle and everything, so it's easy. Um, and then you can check out my stuff on lindsayok.com. So, yeah. All right, Lindsay, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate you. Thank you so thank much. You. Bye-bye. All right, that was Lindsay. Okay, everybody, yeah, go give her a follow. She knows her stuff, and see, now I can just we can just show this this podcast to to all those disgruntled Falcons fans, <laughs> and be like, see, you guys are just idiots. For, like, <laughs> she doesn't hate you. She doesn't hate Matt Ryan. No, she just like, she laughs that you actually believe the bull <laughs> that she puts out there. But um, but anyway. So we talked about the the matchup for this week, and why, why don't you why don't you to give a bold prediction for this week for this game, and I'll do one too. Um, for the I got, I, I don't have it being as low scoring as Lindsay would say. Um, I I have it being, uh, I have it being sort of close. I have it twenty four seventeen Ravens. I think that Lamar is going to, I think that Lamar and Gus just from they're going to be on that high. And I feel like they're going to exploit that that Falcons defense. Right. Um, I think it's going to be probably a little bit tough at home, um, but I feel like they have the potential to exploit that Falcons defense. I don't think they're going to be able to, you know, figure out Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson. And I feel that, you know, th- I feel like they're going to really shut down the two wide receivers in Ridley and uh, Julio Jones. I think they they might have a good game, but they're not going to have like, you know, Julio might not go for like 180 some odd yards or something like that. But I think I have it going 24 17. All right. So uh, my my uh, final score prediction before I get to the to my bold prediction for this week, uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Ravens are gonna win it by a score of 31 to 14. I think. I think uh, the Ravens are going to play very well against the Falcons. The Falcons are sputtering at this point. Uh, this is a team that, in their last three games, have not has not hit twenty points. Yeah. So, for those of you that are still taking Calvin Ridley and Fanduel, stop, <laughs> because it's not it's not doing anything for you right now. And so, uh, my bold prediction, my bold little, sorry, I can't speak English right now. Uh, my bold prediction for this week is Lamar Jackson will have a Michael Vick day in Atlanta. That's going to... Now, hear me out. Hear me out. Especially since he reached out to him. He's going to break the record for quarterback rushing yards in a single game. So So, the first record was held by Michael Vick that he set in 2002 with 173 rushing yards. The... Actual record now is held by Colin Kaepernick with 181. And one of those came against the Packers in the playoffs. Yeah, I think so. Mm, I got to agree with I mean, he rushed for 119 against the Bengals. It's not It's not it's out of the not, realm, it's not it's out not of, out of the realm of no, possibility. No, it's not. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I have I can see that happening. So I think I think Lamar. My bold prediction is that Lamar breaks the single season, or not single season. Oh my God, the single game record for rushing yards by a quarterback 
and it's going to be in Atlanta. That's what I think this week. Wow. I think mm, my bold prediction is that I got go my ahead. bold prediction. Your my bold, bold prediction is that is that mine comes. Well, it's it's one of that. <laughs> yes, but my bold prediction is that. Gus Edwards goes off. He goes completely bonkers. I mean, you look at the first two games, and you look. He he was a very he was very he was extremely good. Right. The first two games, I think that Gus Edwards goes off. I think that now he's like, okay, the first two games were like, they y'all were get, y'all were just getting used to me. He was like dipping his toe into the water. I feel like this game against Atlanta, he's gonna jump in, and I feel like he's going to go. Full on, just he's gonna come at you. He's gonna come at. He's gonna come at you 110, percent and I feel like he's gonna go for big yards. I feel like, and that's just gonna take. Now, off. do you think he breaks the Ravens' single game record for rushing yards? The Ravens' single game record. I mean, he's already he already tied Jamal Lewis for his rookie for the rookie rushing. I could see it happening. Do you know how many? Do you know how many uh, Jamal Lewis has in a single game? The most he's had? No. 295. Do you know who... who you know that record is broken? Not by a Raven. Who? Adrian Peterson with 296. Oh, Jesus. So... So we're putting him in the... So essentially, we're going to put him in the same category as Adrian Peterson and... <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I'm just saying. You said you going to go out No, I'm, I I'm, know. I was just posing you a question. No, I know. Think it's okay, I, I think... I think just from... The way that the offensive line has been looking and the way that Lamar Jackson has been able to extend plays yeah, and the fact that it's very, very difficult to be like, okay, is he going to throw? Is he going to pass? That's going to put Atlanta off guard. And then you could easily be like, okay, Gus, go take get some yards, take us to the promised land, eat up some of that yardage. And I feel like Gus Edwards could go off because they're, they're going to be fo- more focused on Lamar Jackson and not know, okay, who is this Edwards kid? And he's just going to run all over him. All right, I can take that. But with that, we're going to go to our prediction segment, everybody. No one can ever be 100% right, but we're going to try anyway. Here are this week's predictions. All right, so let's break down the Thursday night game, which is going to be coming on in – about an hour now. You'll probably the show will come out roughly around the same time yeah. uh, the game starts. So, uh, New Orleans. New Orleans visiting Jerry World, Big D in Dallas, baby. So we got a ten and one New Orleans team. This team has put up over thirty seven points per game. Leads the NFL in points per game, and Dallas at six and five. They're an upstart right now. They beat the Redskins. They beat the Eagles. They, they've beaten quite, uh, several teams in their division, and they have suddenly become the favorites to win the NFC East. But the NFC East is a very, very weak division. That I know, but like, Zeke Elliott has, has been on a tear lately. Yeah, they finally realized, yeah, give him the dang ball. <laughs> give so, him the ball. He's the re- he's what stirs our offense. Give Zeke Elliott the ball. I man, mean, if my table were a person, after how many times you hit it, it would beat the shit out of you. Yeah, probably, but give Zeke Elliott the ball is what I've been saying for I don't know how long. Don't I get 
I get Dak Prescott. He's your quarterback. You're going to let him throw. You're going to let him do what he has to do. Give Ezekiel Elliott the ball. He's been going off for you. You're restraining yourself so bad. So give Ezekiel Elliott the ball, Cowboys, and it's going to save <laughs> your, your lives. Just please don't have Dak Prescott pass. Don't. Stop it. Stop get some it. help. Get some help. You have help. Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, rest right. my case. All right. So New Orleans is ten and one, going against Dallas, who is six and five. I believe we're going to have the same, the same pick on this one. I'm taking New Orleans, and New Orleans is going to drop a forty burger on these guys. Mm-hmm. I have it forty five twenty one. New Orleans is. Do you want to know something funny? What? I literally have the same score. <laughs> yes. Stop reading my I, mind, asshole. I'm, I'm trying not to. The, Drew Brees. What, what did I tell you? Stop hitting my table, man. Drew Brees. Assault. <laughs> Drew Brees is 39. <laughs> Name another quarterback at 39 who who is putting up the numbers that he's putting up. I can't. I can't. Tom Brady isn't even putting up these numbers. Exactly. He has, what, only one interception in the 11 games that he's played? Yeah. One. One. Do you know how accurate you have to be in order to... And he's not even, he doesn't even have, like, outside of Michael Thomas, who does he have? He has a washed-up Brandon Marshall, who's who's not even projected to start. If Des Bryant never got injured, I mean, you could say Des Bryant could have been his number two. But outside of that, he really doesn't have anybody in his wide receiving core. He has a very, very good running back in Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. And he has a very good wide receiver in Michael, out of, in Michael Thomas. Out, and another backup in, as, in Mark Ingram. As his other backup running back. Outside of that, who does he have? And he's putting up these numbers. Right. Right. No, I, I mean, you you got no names like Traquan Smith out there. And- like, I had to look up these wide receivers when they're putting up, like, the amount of times I had to look up these receivers to be like, who in the hell are you? Who are you? Like, <laughs> who are you? And just Drew Brees is making them stars. Like, Drew Brees makes everybody a star. Don't you remember Marcus Colston? Yes. He came out of Hofstra. No no NFL player comes out of Hofstra. <laughs> and, and just absolutely went all for them. He's making he's making no names become household names. Right. And he is doing it. It's not like and it's not like he's doing it like it's not like he's doing it all willy. Like he still has the hunger and drive. I feel like to to still com- continue pe- competing. Yeah. I feel like at 39, he's hungrier than ever, and it's hard to root against him. It's hard to root against the Saints. It's really hard. Their defense is, I will say, their defense their defense is a little bit underrated. I don't. I'm not gonna say it's the best, but I think his defense is underrated. But their offense, outside of Outside of who? Kansas City? There's really no other offense who can compete. Yeah, no, you're absolutely it's, right. I mean, you got the Rams, Kansas City. And New Orleans. That's yeah. it. Like, And we, we, we've seen this before, though. Teams that have these high-powered offenses. The thing the last time we saw one go deep into the playoffs and make the Super Bowl was the Peyton Manning-led Broncos back in, was it 2013? Yeah. And the Seahawks with... The Legion of Boom with Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Brandon Browner. They got stifled. So, 
my my thing is we we never know what's going to happen with these with these top flight offenses, and we'll we'll see we'll see what goes down. But uh, my, my the next game I, w- I wanted to to dissect a little bit uh, is kind of important to the to the Baltimore Ravens in the sense that uh, they have the same record, and but the, although the Ravens hold the tiebreaker at the current moment. The Indianapolis Colts taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. And this intrigues me because Jacksonville fired their offensive coordinator this week. And they named Cody Kessler as their quarterback. They benched Blake Bortles. Yes, they did. No, sorry. Robbie. Robbie Bortles. <laughs> they did. They go back and listen Bortles. to go back and listen to our second episode if you, <coughs> if you want to get the joke. But so the, this this game is interesting to me because I don't think anybody saw these two teams with this type of record. I don't think I think if you switched if you switched the records, everybody would have been like, okay, yeah, I'm okay with that. They would have seen that happen they would have seen that happening more than this. Right. I think Frank Reich is a wonderful coach for Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck looks like an MVP candidate. He and especially coming after all the stuff with his shoulder, and he's he looks like an MVP candidate. Um, and they've won what five straight, four or five straight? New, uh, no, they've won five straight. Indianapolis has won five straight. And Jacksonville, Jalen Ramsey, where you at? Hmm, where you at? He's hurt this week, didn't you hear? But but Jalen Ramsey, I'm sorry. What happened? What happened against Buffalo? Uh, here does pride. You you were talking all that. You were talking all that good stuff against Buffalo. They torched y'all. Torched. Torched y'all. Torched. Jalen Ramsey, where you at? You were talking all that good stuff. Where you at, G? Huh? Where were you? No, Jack. I. That looks interesting, just because if if they win again, right? If Indianapolis wins again, you have to put Frank Wright as coach of the year, possibly. Frank Frank Wright. Frank Wright as as possible coach of the year. Right. No, I. uh... I totally agree with that, and I mean the the Colts look good. Andrew Luck is another quarterback that's making no name wide receivers look real good. And I mean his backfield with Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines, you got T. Y. Hilton doing what T. Y. Hilton does best. Although Jack Doyle is out for the for the rest of the season. And Eric plays- Ebron has been a oh giant. my god! Eric Ebron has been a giant. St- oh wow! Dude, Eric Ebron. I mean, he was good. He was good in Detroit, but Andrew Luck has made him a. Eric Ebron, single-handedly kept me out of the number one seed in my fantasy league last week. <laughs> and if Corey Davis had sixty more receiving yards or one more touchdown, your boy would have been number one. But you know that's. It's it's a story for another day, oh, but man. Uh, this this matchup affects the Ravens in the sense that uh, they're holding off the Colts right now because they they have more wins against the AFC than the Colts do. Mm-hmm. Now by the end of the season, we'll we'll have balanced all of that out. But it depends. Uh, we we need the Colts to lose this game in terms of a of a Baltimore Ravens standpoint. Yeah, and if, if uh, the Colts win, if the Colts have a better record at the end of the season. The Colts will get into the playoffs. So I mean, uh, the I mean Atlanta. So the Ravens' last few games are Atlanta, Kansas City, and the LA Chargers. That is a that's a tough schedule. That is it is a very tough schedule, Jesus. and it's I mean the Chargers are eight and three. The, Char- I mean, the Chargers aren't the best team in LA, but the Chargers 
people, I feel like people are sleeping on the Chargers. Nobody yeah, no, talks the Char- about the Chargers. The, the, see, the, the, and that's a, that's a terrible thing though because the the Chargers are eight and three, and they're second in their own division. <laughs> they're second in their state. <laughs> that's horrifying, man. I mean, like Kansas City is the number one team in that division, and yes, they're, they're and they're at nine and two now. Maybe with a couple strokes of luck, the Chargers could overtake them in the AFC West, but I don't really see that happening. No. Uh, considering the the Chiefs' next few opponents, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I have that right here. Uh, the Chiefs this week take on the Oakland Raiders. Jeez, and after we, dude, I'm I'm starting I'm starting uh, Pat Mahomes this week with the hopes that he drops like 50 points on the uh, he's, he's, on the Oakland Raiders. He's gonna wallop the Oakland Raiders. I'm sorry. So I mean, we we know we know they they only got five games left. So the, there's a solid chance the Chiefs go 14 and two. Uh, I mean, you, they still have to deal with the Patriots. They still got the Texans in the AFC South. And the Texans and look very good. Yeah, Deshaun eight Watson, straight, man. Eight straight wins. Like after they started the season 0 and three, I was like, oh, this is gonna be this isn't gonna be good. Right. Because I mean, I st- I still I was still looking at the beginning of the season, looking at Jacksonville taking over the AFC South. But like 0 and three, they started out, and then they're just like racking up wins. Scrap fire. I mean, they're they're right behind New Orleans for a win streak. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, another. So the uh, my my score for this game is going to be, and it, could, it for me, I think it's going to be a twenty four to to seven game. Uh, Cody Kessler is not the guy, although I think he'll be better than Blake Bortles. But it'll take a while for this Jacksonville offense to get to where it was last year when they made it to the AFC Championship. Yeah, I don't trust. The, I, I as of right now. Saxonville is what they called it last year is now no Saxonville. I don't understand how much they regressed. Right. I mean, again, like I said before, I understand you're in a weak conference. The outside there's there's it's some for that conference there there are a few conferences where you can see a toss up of whoever can make it. Right. Like NFC East, AFC South, there like there are certain conferences where you it's a toss up as who can take it. And AFC South, I really did think that Jacksonville was going it was gonna be very, very hard for somebody to beat Jacksonville with that defense. But they've just looked absolutely abhorrent. Blake Bortles looks garbage and it's it's uh, it's too little too late for them I to now agree. switch to Cody Kessler. But I think that Andrew Luck is gonna have another amazing game. I have it being uh twenty eight to seven. I don't think that Cody Kessler, Cody Kessler is not going to really do much. I think he's going to be a, a, a breath of fresh air. And I think that Tom Coughlin is really going to have to evaluate giving him, giving Blake Bortles that extension. But I don't, I don't see Indianapolis losing this game. They're behind such uh, – Frank Reich has been a wonderful coach. Andrew Luck could be comeback player of the year. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, and uh, so that brings us to our our final matchup analyzation of the week, and uh, I think it, it was tough for me to choose. I was going to have to choose between Minnesota and New England, but then I decided to go with the Sunday night matchup, which is the L.A. Chargers coming to Heinz Field and taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is a that is a game that is that has. AFC playoff picture written all over it. 
Uh, I think, and so the Chargers are eight and three. Pittsburgh is seven three and one. If you remember, they tied with the Cleveland Browns at the beginning of the season, and that it, that just pretty much haunted them all the way through. Uh, Pittsburgh is not a good team. They've, uh, in my opinion, they've John, James Conner slowed down a little bit. Uh, they've been lucky in a lot of their games. They have been. If you think about last week, they looked really poor against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who we were just talking about. And they had a last-second win against that. That like Ben, ben Roethlisberger had a had a last-minute touchdown. Right. And Jacksonville looked like what they did last season. Yeah. And I mean, outside of outside of uh, what the what the Pittsburgh Steelers did in in Carolina when they made the Carolina Panthers look really silly that night. Uh, when they blew them out, the Pittsburgh Steelers have looked as like an average team, and their record does not reflect that right now because I feel like they have gotten lucky in a few of their contests. And this week we'll be we'll be able to see the the matchup between Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger. Both of those quarterbacks came out of the 2004 draft, and uh, my buddy Nolan sent me a uh, picture of stats. That from a uh, a comparison between the two quarterbacks. So over their careers, Philip Rivers has 114 wins, 89 losses, while Ben Roethlisberger has 142 wins, 66 losses, and one tie. Completion percentage between the two of them, Rivers has a 64.5. Uh, ben Roethlisberger has a 64.3. Pass yards, Rivers 53,467. Ben. 54,729. TD to interception ratio. Rivers has 368 TDs and 172 picks. Roethlisberger has 353 touchdowns and 186 interceptions. Now, passer rating, and this is, this is as close as it gets to, 95.9 for Rivers, 94.1 for Ben. Jesus. So these guys have been... Have been tied together. I mean, and this is this is not. We all, we can talk about Eli Manning as well. Yeah, Eli Manning is from the same draft class. You could arguably say that the fact that that's what it is in Big Ben, you could say, has had more weapons than Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers think, has. Think about this. Think about this. Philip Rivers. When you, when you think of Hall of Famers that Philip Rivers has played with, I think one person, Ladainian Tomlinson. Now you if you want you can make a case for Antonio Gates as well. Yes. But, but outside of that, but I mean, outside of that, there's nothing for Ben. I I was talking about this with my buddies the other day, who's a Steelers fan, and he even agreed with me that that Ben has had far more weapons over the years. Let's see, he started out with Jerome Bettis, Heinz Ward, Heinz Ward. Uh, he started out with, um, um, I'm trying to remember the offensive lineman that he had. He had a, quite a few oh, Jesus. decent offense. I want to say, was it who was it? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up, but I'm gonna just keep going with the names that roll off the top of my head. I mean, he's got he had Antonio Brown, he had Emmanuel Sanders for a while. He had uh, uh, the defense. They had Troy Polamalu. They had he had a wonderful surrounding ca- uh, supporting cast every year. Mm-hmm. And for uh, for Chargers have had. A few years where they just have not been good, and Philip Rivers has done what he could to take this team, take the team to the uh, to the playoffs every year. And I remember, was it back in two thousand and nine or two thousand and ten when they made it to the to the playoffs, and I believe lost to the Patriots. Philip Rivers was playing with a torn ACL, and he was wearing a brace on his leg, and he mm-hmm. still played the game. 
So, I personally, I like Rivers better, and I feel like if you put Rivers in the system where Ben was, Rivers would have been far more successful than right, Ben yeah. I mean, because Rivers has essentially the same stats with less than Ben does with all that. Exactly, and, and I mean, Le'Veon Bell's another one. I mean, he's got James Conner now. Antonio Holmes is another one. Like you, another one. <laughs> <laughs> like the the weapon, the weapons that big that Big Ben had on offense and the help that he had on the defense. It's hard. Like the fact that they're that close is saying that you could say that Big Ben is overrated. Possibly, you could say that Philip Rivers is underrated, but L.A. L.A. is a very, very sneaky team. Um, I just it, it's it's hard to vote against L.A. Man, L.A. is a very, very sneaky team. But this is going to be a tough, tough challenge for the Chargers, especially since Melvin Gordon's out. Yeah, and so I mean, I, I like the guy they have there, Austin Eckler. He's a he's a serviceable backup. Uh, he's no Melvin Gordon. He is no Melvin Gordon. I believe I believe that, but I think. I think it'll be a duel either way just because neither defense... Well, I mean, the Chargers actually have a better defense in, in this matchup with Joey Bosa returning. Joey Bosa played his first game coming back last week after being injured for, for most of the year, and he had two sacks in his first game back. Now, yep. given against, that was the Cardinals and Josh Rosen. Uh, the, you could say what you want about that. Yeah, but I think Joey Bosa being back is a huge boost for this team. I mean, you got Bosa, you got Melvin Ingram, you have... Uh, let's let's see. I mean, who who else do they have on that team? They have a couple good linebackers, but I mean that that pass rush is ridiculous. Yeah. So I think I think the the Chargers have a good chance to win. Uh, I think I think it'll end up being uh, maybe like a standoff between the two quarterbacks almost, and seeing who makes the first mistake. Yeah. Well, I mean, Philip Rivers didn't wasn't making any any mistakes the last game when he completed twenty five straight passes. And you know, you know who we tied, though? You know who we tied for most consecutive passes to start a game? Who? Vesuvius. Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill owned that record. Jesus. He still owns that record. Rivers just tied it. So, but that, so uh, I'm just going to give a score prediction for this game real quick, and then we're going to get on to the, into the Nabro segment and close out the show. Uh, so my score prediction for the Steelers... For the Chargers visiting the Steelers, I'm going to say the Chargers end up winning it on a field goal, 24 to 21. I have makes for a thrilling Sunday nighter. Yeah, I have it. I have it going in a shootout. I have uh, I have the Chargers edging it out. I think that Philip Rivers is really going to, even though Melvin Ingram is uh, Melvin uh, Melvin Gordon is going to be injured. I feel like Philip Rivers is really going to help them out, and he's going to be a larger part of the offense. Um, yeah. And Tyrell I, Williams is another one of those guys that receiver over yeah. in, in LA. He's something. But I, I have I have the Steelers. The Steelers are I have the Steelers reeling, especially after that. Really, they just looked horrible against Denver. I would agree. And I feel like LA is going to just hop on top of that, and I feel like it's going to be a shootout. I feel like it's going to be thirty-five twenty-eight, uh, LA. All right, and that takes us to. The nah bro segment. What's worthy of the guy's nah bro this week? Let's find out. All right, JD. I went first last time. See you, my guy. Okay. So I I want you I want you to just level with me, ladies and gentlemen, because my nah bro is a combination of two. Now, 
I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, if you heard anything about what happened with the Washington Redskins and Reuben Foster. Reuben Foster, if you didn't know, was... Essentially, he was accused of domestic violence. Again. Again. Like, it's not the first time this has happened. Now, knowing that, the NFL put him on the com- the, the commissioner's exempt list, which means he's not allowed to practice. He's not allowed to participate. San Francisco released him, you know. And the, uh, I forgot, was it the, I forgot what police department was doing the investigation. Um, but they are doing an investigation in terms of um, figuring out what happened. Here's where my Nabro segment comes in. Right. Reuben Foster, yo dumbass. Because <laughs> you got in trouble with the same woman, the same woman who accused you before. And you know what? And she went on the stand and she said that she lied about the entire thing. She has a history of lying about domestic assault, which is not something. Domestic violence is one thing that is not taken lightly. And the NFL has done, uh, the NFL has, has tried to do a job in terms of hiring women and hiring more to look into their domestic violence of their players. Reuben Foster, your dumbass decides to take a road trip with the same woman who not only lied about saying about a domestic violence accusation, but you had the unmitigated gall to go on a road trip with her? Are you stupid? Really? Really? And on top of that, Washington Redskins. My table's gonna take you to court. No, probably. Because I'm very upset about this. Washington Redskins. I'm even more upset with y'all because it it makes me so upset that the Redskins did this. But this is not surprising coming from the NFL. The Washington Redskins placed a claim placed a claim on Ruben Foster. Now they could have done multiple different things. They could have let him they could have easily not taken him. They could have said, you know what, there may be other there may, may be other It's not worth the circus. It's not worth it. It's not worth bringing him in. A. Or B, if you really wanted to bring Reuben Foster in, you could have waited until he cleared waivers and then you would have been able to talk to him and figure out the whole investigation and everything else like that. No. What did you do, Redskins? You decided to place a claim on him, meaning you actually really, really wanted him despite the entire circus that happened and you well, decided to place a claim on him. Here's here's the, here's the thing, though, with, with that. Now, I'm not condoning anything Reuben Foster did and I'm, I'm definitely not going to get into the nitty-gritty of this entire thing right now. But they placed a claim on him, meaning they accepted the, the his contract that he is currently on his his rookie contract. Yes. So, uh, and then on top of it, he was placed on the commissioner's exempt list. So, what the Redskins were and a lot of people were speculating was that they signed him so they can have him play immediately while he's awaiting his his suspension. Right. So after he was placed on the exempt list, he's not allowed to partake in any other organized team activities like practices or anything like that. He's not even allowed to attend games. Uh, he, the only things he's allowed to do is he's allowed to do individual workouts at the, at the facility, and he's allowed to attend team meetings as in like when when I like say like watching film and things like that. So that those are the only things he's allowed to do right now. He's not playing a single down, and I want people to know that. So Redskins, you place a claim on a player who has been repeatedly accused of domestic violence. You place a claim on him. You accept him, even though he's on the commissioner's exempt list, and he can't even play it down. Actually, he was placed on the list after. He was placed on the list afterwards, but he can't play it down now. Nope. So and and, and 
The fact that I believe the, the vice president of the Redskins came out and said there are more important fish to, like, he essentially said there are more important fish to fry than dealing with Reuben Foster. Re- really? Really? Well, good thing he's not the really? one He's not the one on it then. Right. And, and I, I will have to say, I commend the Philadelphia Eagles because the Philadelphia Eagles were the one team, the one team in the NFL who actually looked and talked to the police about everything that happened with the situation. Right. Nobody, no other team, which, I mean, there might be other teams who are just like, you know what, I don't want that circus. I don't want any part of it. The Eagles could have been like, okay, let, the Eagles did, okay, let's do our research. Let's figure out about everything about this case first before we even do anything about it. But no, what did you do, Redskins? You immediately hopped on the train and you did, ex- you, ah, nah, bro. Just, nah, bro. Just, I'm done. Nah, bro. All right, all right. So, uh, I'm going to take my nah, bro, and I'm going to stay in the AFC North. Uh, going to talk about last week's matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. After the game, Hugh Jackson and Baker Mayfield were going to meet in the middle of the field. And Hugh, from what it looked like, was trying to embrace Baker Mayfield. He was going to give the man a hug. And Baker Baker kind of, like, kept his distance. And he shook his hand and everything like that. And Which, if it stopped there, I would have been like, okay, Hugh, that was not the, exa- that was not the best decision. Yeah. Baker followed what he was supposed to do. Exactly. But hear, hear, hear me out here. ESPN put Baker on blast after that. Oh, yes, they did. And... And I just want to put this out there right now. I want you to know where I stand on this. I feel like Baker is it did nothing wrong. No, if you're if we're talking about what Hugh Jackson did on the field, yes, if ba- Baker, that's fine. I'm not going to hug you. You're part of you're an in you're an in-state rival. You're part of the NFC. You're part of the you're part AFC, of North. AFC North. Okay, we don't hug. We don't embrace. He did. He did. He dapped him up. And he was like, "Yep, good game, way to go." And he just went our separate ways. But no, everybody, everybody had to take a shot at Baker Mayfield later on. Yes, saying how poor, how that's poor, poor, poor sportsmanship. How he should have given Hugh Jackson a hug because where would he be without Hugh Jackson? Uh, and I guarantee you, four and six, four, six and one is not the answer. No. Um, and I think I think Baker deserved a lot better than what Hugh and Greg Williams. I'm going to give him all the credit he's due. He's won three games with the with the Cleveland Browns and uh, since he's taken over, and it took Hugh Jackson, what two seasons to win one? Yeah, like let's let's be real here. Now, I'm I'm not. I just think everybody that's taking a shot at Baker needs to sit back and realize that he he's on an opposing team. He is a on a rival team, and huge no I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not saying that Hugh Jackson isn't isn't supposed to give out information on his former team but that is one of the reasons that the Cincinnati Bengals brought him in was so they could so they could have information on the Cleveland Browns on Baker Mayfield yes. and everything like that but that is not the same Browns team that we saw field at the beginning of the season no this is a far better and more confident Cleveland Browns team yes and so for all those out there that are taking shots at Baker Mayfield for for showing up his former coach and and not giving the man a hug in the middle of the field, nah, bro. Yeah, just, just leave it alone. That's that. Le- like, let, let the man live. Okay? Like I, I I and again I have to agree with you. I get where Baker Mayfield is coming. We're, we're I get you're my former coach. I understand, but it's like not you're the, the enemy now. You're the enemy now. You are you are not only part of 
the NFC North, uh, the AFC North. I keep on getting that messed up. Yeah, what but you're, not, you? you're not. You're not. Not only are you part of the AFC North, which is understandable, rivals. I get it, but you're in state as well. Right. So I get where Baker Mayfield is coming from. I get you're my. You were. You used to be my coach. But that's not something that we don't hug on the field. Not like that. I get it. Wait, we're, we're 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 not we're not friends. We're not buddy buddy. You were my coach, and I respect I respect the fact that you're my coach. But you know, we're not we're not gonna hug no buddy buddy. That's not the way it works. I gave you a handshake. I gave you dap. Why are you? I don't understand why ESPN was attacking Baker for that. Now maybe his comments. That's a possibility. Yes, Baker Mayfield could have said maybe it, he could have done a little bit better in terms he's of He's a rookie. Process. He's yes. a rookie. He's 21 years but old. You're expecting I, a lot from a 21-year-old. And I, I don't think I don't think we should judge him on what happened in the field. No. no. Feel free to judge him on his comments because he said he said dumb things, but I I, I think I think people need to take a step back cuz what would you what would you have done in this situation? I would have done the same exact thing that Because did. I guarantee you Baker Mayfield knows more about Hugh Jackson behind the scenes than any of us had ever seen on TV. So people that are just watching on their TV and seeing what's happened, if you're just watching Hard Knocks, you're you don't know the whole story. Mm. You don't know the whole story. And Baker that, knows something that we don't. You're not in that locker room. You don't interact with the coach. You don't know how the players feel about Hugh. You don't. You really don't know. No, you don't. And so I mean that that brings us to the end of our show today, JD. Thank you once again for being an awesome co-host. Thank you to to Lindsay for joining us earlier on this show. Uh, we couldn't have done it without people that listen. So thank you all for your, for your input. Thank you all for listening to us. And we'll be back again next week uh, with a recap and hopefully some good news about the Ravens taking on Atlanta in Atlanta this week. And we'll be back to break down the Ravens' probable loss against the Kansas City Chiefs next weekend. Yep. All right, everybody. Have a great night, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to The Extra Point Show. Tune in again next week for more extra content. You know how we do.